The reading today is from Mark 3. Plain cover book uh, Bible is page 709 and the other one is page 1005. Sorry, I should have done this first, shouldn't I? Okay, reading from verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob the house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? 
Father in heaven, uh, we thank you so much for being able to come together um, with the degree of freedom that we do have uh, to hear your word and to um, be challenged and changed by you and to encourage one another. And so we pray for the uh, mighty work of your word and spirit now uh, that uh, we might be both uh, uh, learn, learning more about you and becoming more the people you'd want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeshu of Nazareth was hanged on the day of preparation for the Passover because he practised sorcery and led people astray. Now, that's a quote from an ancient Jewish religious text. We don't know exactly when it was written, sometime after 70 AD. Uh, and there's some debate about um, who it's referring to. Who is this Yeshu of Nazareth? It sounds a little bit like someone we know, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like someone called Yeshu or Jesus uh, from Nazareth who was hung uh, from a crucifix uh, at the Sabbath. But why was he hung? Well, according to this uh, Jewish, uh, non-Christian version of events, uh, it was because he deserved it. I mean, he was a sorcerer uh, who went around deceiving people and leading people astray, uh, so much so that he, he had to be dealt with. And that's what they thought of him, or at least some did. Now, of course, 2,000 years later, people tend not to think of Jesus uh, in that kind of extreme negative uh, terms. Uh, I mean, people may not like church. They may not like the institution of the churches. Uh, they may not even like Christians or even uh, individual particular Christians, but people tend to have a warmer view of Jesus himself. I mean, we don't meet too many people these days who think that Jesus was a dangerous deceiver who deserved to be executed, do we? I haven't met many people like that, at least not lately. And yet around that time, that's what the religious leaders said, or at least that's the excuse they gave. He practised sorcery and led people astray. Now, there's one thing in that statement which is actually true, and I wonder if you can spot what it is. Well, <clears throat> it's this. It's that he actually led people. Jesus did lead people. He led many people. He led thousands of people. In fact, whenever, uh, wherever Jesus went, um, he was like a magnet and people were just drawn to him. People, people flocked to Jesus. They flocked to him for, uh, for miraculous healings. Uh, they flocked to him for the driving out of demons and they, they came in order to hear his teaching. And we get, a, we get a snapshot of that uh, in the uh, opening verses of today's passage, if you'd like to have Mark chapter 3 open in front of you, uh, where Jesus had been in the city of Capernaum, where, as we saw last week, uh, he had been in conflict with uh, the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees. He'd been in conflict with them because uh, they accused his disciples of, of working on the Sabbath because they picked some grain from a field, on the Sabbath, he'd been in conflict with them because they, uh, because he he healed a man with a shriveled hand, uh, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. 
And yet this conflict with the religious leaders seemed to have had no negative impact at all on his popularity. <laughs> In fact, it may have enhanced his popularity uh, because as word got around about Jesus, his popularity grew enormously. Check out verse 7. Uh, we're told that Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, that's the Sea of Galilee, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. And when they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Now, it's, I think it's easy for us to gloss over those verses, uh, but when you think about it, it's absolutely astonishing what is happening here. Jesus uh, is by the Sea of Galilee, and that's and that's in the north of Israel. But people are streaming in from long distances from all directions. Uh, from the northwest, they're coming in from the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, from the east, they're coming in from across uh, the other side of the Jordan River. And from the south, they're coming, from, they're coming up from Jerusalem and from uh, the region of Judea even further south from that, from the region which is known as Idumea. People are coming to Jesus in their droves from all over to be with him. Uh, in fact, in verse 9, um, people are so uh, tightly packed around Jesus, <laughs> it seems like it's kind of shoulder to shoulder. So much so that it's, well, it's a good thing that some of his disciples had been fishermen because they knew how to operate boats and Jesus said to them, go and get a boat because I need to, you need to take me offshore a few metres just so I can get some, some distancing here so that I can actually teach people, so that people can hear. He's making an impact, isn't he? He's making an impact. And you know what happens when people start to make an impact like that? Then people start to form opinions about that person. And here, uh, in our passage today, in verses 7 through to 35, there are three opinions about Jesus which are expressed. We're going to work through those, uh, each one at a time. Uh, firstly, let me say that uh, there are some people who knew exactly who Jesus is. Because amongst the crowd there were people who were possessed by evil spirits. Now, um, demon possession uh, was not just simply ancient man's way of explaining uh, illnesses like epilepsy, because the demons actually spoke. They spoke to Jesus. <laughs> Check out verse 11. Whenever the evil spirits saw Jesus, they fell down at his feet and they cried out, You are the Son of God. Now, it's not surprising that they should get that right. Uh, they are spirits, after all. And as a sidebar to this, um, it's a reminder to us, it tells us that knowing who Jesus is, is actually not enough. It's not enough. Um, I mean, in James chapter 2, we're told that uh, even demons uh, know that he is, the, you know, that they, they know about God, but they, but they shudder. They know God, but they shudder at that. 
as rightly they should. Now, some say that um, in the occult uh, at the time, that uh, uh, for a demon to know someone's identity gave that demon some degree of power over that person. Well, uh, if that's the case, then this confession by the evil spirits might be a, a futile attempt at that, a vain attempt at that. Uh, but it's also uh, possible that uh, it's an, an attempt to derail Jesus' mission. Uh, by uh, declaring who Jesus is at that point in time and uh, perhaps tapping into the nationalistic uh, thinking about uh, the Christ and when, what would happen when the Christ would come in terms of being a nationalistic leader who would rise up and lead a rebellion against the, the Romans. Uh, perhaps it's because they're wanting to stir the crowd into thinking of Jesus as a worldly king rather than a servant king. And so in verse 12, Jesus orders the evil spirits to keep their mouths shut. Because the true identity of Jesus would be known, it would become known, it would be revealed, but Jesus would be the one who chooses who the messengers would be to declare his identity. And that's what we see in verses 13 to 15. Uh, let me read that. Uh, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority over demons. So there you have it, 12 men uh, chosen by Jesus to uh, especially spend time with him, that he would uh, teach them, that he would train them, uh, and to be sent out. Uh, the, the word apostle means someone who is sent. And here these 12 would be sent out uh, to declare, to proclaim the message about Jesus, about who he is uh, as, the, as God's son, the Christ who died for our sins. Uh, Twelve men. Uh, minus, of course, uh, Judas, uh, who, in order to, uh, was replaced uh, by Matthias. And uh, it's notable there that uh, these, these apostles, far from the evil spirits declaring who Jesus is, these apostles who would declare who Jesus is actually have authority over those evil spirits. And uh, notice also that just as God's physical kingdom, Israel, was founded on the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, so too God's new Israel, God's church, uh, would be founded on the message of these 12 apostles. As I say, minus Judas, replaced uh, by Matthias. Matthias, because uh, he had been with Jesus since the beginning. And so the demons said that Jesus is the Son of God, but it was the apostles who got to preach that and to spread that word. Now, secondly, in verses 20 to 21, um, there are some people who thought that Jesus was, Jesus was out of his mind. And it might be a little bit surprising to us as to who these people were. Um, 
the, the context here is that uh, uh, Jesus and his disciples had gone uh, into someone's house. Uh, perhaps they've withdrawn into someone's house and it seems that it's because they needed rest. They needed food. They needed respite. They needed to get away from the crowds for a while, but the chances of that happening were pretty slim. I mean, getting away from the crowds. People followed them. People packed into the house. People could not get enough of Jesus. They couldn't. And so we, we need to think about this. We need to try to picture this and putting it together, what, what it's telling us that this ministry of Jesus is very, very intense. What's going on? This is a very intense time. And when his family got word of this, well, they actually thought, what's he doing? Uh, what's going on? They had concerns about Jesus' mental stability. <laughs> they thought he was out of his mind and so they came to collect him, to take him home. Now, later on in verse 32, uh, we learn who these family members were. Uh, it's his brothers, but it's also his, his mother, Mary. And in one sense, you know, as a, I'm a parent, I can kind of understand that. Uh, you know, we can understand Mary's uh, motherly concern for her son, um, but she got it wrong, didn't she? And it's interesting that some churches claim that Mary was actually sinless, but here she, she clearly got it wrong. Uh, she thought that her son Jesus was out of his mind and needed to be taken home. Now, I wonder if anyone might ever think of us, um, say of you, uh, as being someone who's slightly out of your mind. Um, they think of you as being so zealous for the gospel that you must be a bit crazy. Is that, I'm not talking about, you know, genuine being weird. I'm not talking about that kind of craziness. But, but having such a tunnel vision for the gospel that nothing else really matters, that we're prepared to invest our time. You're prepared to invest your time, your efforts, your, uh, your resources, your money, uh, your very life uh, into the service of the gospel. Uh, into whatever your context of life might be, of being uh, someone who is um, zealous for Jesus and wants other people to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Or even changing your life situation uh, in order to pursue gospel ministry. People may think that you're crazy. <laughs> They've got to say, that's being crazy for the right thing. That's been crazy for the right thing. People need to hear about Jesus. People need to be saved from their sin. People need to have a relationship with God. So the evil spirits, well, they said that Jesus was the son of God. His family said that he was out of his mind. And then in verses 22 through to 30, uh, the religious leaders had their say about Jesus. Pick it up at verse 22. 
And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Wow. Wow. The, uh, the word Beelzebub, uh, it's a kind of a, it's a slight change in a, in a, in a, in a Hebrew word. It's a, it's a word which is used to mock Baal worship uh, because it sounds like Baal-zebub, uh, which apparently means Lord of the Flies, uh, which they changed Baal-zebul, which means Lord Baal, and have changed it to Baal-zebub, Lord of the Flies. That's what they thought of Baal. But what did they think of Jesus? What are they saying about Jesus? They're saying that, uh, well, you see all these things that Jesus is doing, you know, particularly driving out demons. Well, he's doing that by the power of Satan. That's how that's happening. Now, this is not something that Jesus can just let um, go uh, slip through because what we think and what we say about Jesus really, really, really does matter. So how does he respond? Well, firstly, in verses 22 to 27, he simply says, what you're saying doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. If I am driving out Satan by the power of Satan, then there's, a, there's some weird stuff going on in Satan's realm, isn't there? You know, because that is Satan destroying himself. That's like Satan's kingdoms in a civil war. But instead, far from being empowered by Satan, check out verse 27. Where speaking in parables, Jesus says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man and then he can rob the strong man. If you go into a strong man's house and you just start taking away his goods, you're going to cop a beating, aren't you? <laughs> uh, you've got to overpower the strong man. You've got to You've got to tie him up. That way you can start to relieve him of his possessions. And so if Jesus is successfully driving out demons, then that is because he has overpowered the strong man. That he has the power, he has the authority to do so. And who is more powerful than Satan? It's God. God's the only one who's more powerful than Satan. And see, this is important because these religious leaders, these teachers of the law, they didn't actually deny the demons were being driven out. They didn't say, look, this is all just smoke and mirrors. It's, uh, it's all just, you know, it's, you know it's, um, it's all tricks. It's no demons are being driven out here. No, they, they agreed that demons were being driven out. The question was, by whose power were they being driven out? And there's only two options. Uh, either it is by the power of Satan, which, as Jesus says, makes no sense, or the other option, it is by the power of God, which is an option they don't want to consider because they haven't actually come from Jerusalem in order to find discover facts and truths about Jesus. 
they, they just don't like Jesus. <laughs> they don't like him. Because he threatens their cosy position and the position of all of the religious structure of, uh, of the time. It's like last week we, we saw that the Pharisees, um, having uh, been, you know, um, with their confrontation with Jesus, the Pharisees began to conspire with the Herodians uh, and the Herodians are, are like a political group of people who supported King Herod so the Pharisees and the Herodians were really unlikely bedfellows, um, but they conspired together in order to kill Jesus. And so this delegation that's come from Jerusalem, they've not exactly turned up with an open mind. No, they've come in order to reject Jesus. That's why they're there. And I think that that kind of helps us to understand something uh, which Jesus now says that disturbs some Christians. Uh, come with me to, to verse 28. I tell you the truth, all the sins and the blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. And he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Um, well, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and why won't God forgive that ever? Um, you know, I, I, I once knew a lady uh, in church who uh, was troubled. She seemed to be constantly troubled that uh, she thought that she may have blasphemed the Holy Spirit um, once or twice before she... Uh, turned to Jesus and became a Christian and that really troubled her because of this of what Jesus says here if anyone blasphemes the Holy Spirit they will never be forgiven outside, that's outside of the, the possibilities of being forgiven and she couldn't understand how that fits with, with the gospel and, you know, another issue with this is that uh, there are some Christians who use this first against other Christians uh, or other people who don't believe what they particularly believe about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. But what is Jesus saying? Well, to blaspheme anyone is to slander them or to insult them. And here, the context is really, really important. Uh, if you just pluck these verses out of context, then uh, they can actually be a little bit confusing. But the context here is as... Uh, Mark says right at the very end in verse 29 there, he said this because they were saying that he has an evil spirit. That's the context. They had uh, witnessed the works of Jesus. They had seen uh, what Jesus was doing and yet they accused him of being empowered by Satan. But remember when Jesus was baptised, back in chapter 1. Uh, in chapter 1 verse, 1, verse 10, when Jesus was baptised by John, the Spirit descended on him um, like a dove. And when the Spirit descended on Jesus, when he was anointed by the Spirit, 
uh, a voice from heaven called out, this is my son whom I love. Remember that? And so to say that Jesus, that Jesus is empowered by Satan, by an evil spirit, is to insult the real spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, who, um, who, 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 by whom Jesus has been anointed and who is at work through Jesus. And therefore to reject the Holy Spirit at work in Jesus is to reject Jesus, is to reject Jesus, particularly rejecting him as being God's son. And that's rejecting the gospel. I I, I don't know if there's another parallel here or not, but for example, if someone were to say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe, as Romans chapter 8 says, that he was raised from the dead by God's spirit, then you'd be slandering the spirit, but you'd be rejecting Jesus, rejecting the key aspects of the gospel, that he is God's son, that he rose from the dead. And so to blaspheme the spirit is to reject Jesus and to reject the gospel itself. And ultimately, I think that makes sense because the, the, the unforgivable sin is to reject Jesus, to reject God's work by his spirit through Jesus uh, on the cross and in his resurrection. Uh, whereas when, when, when anyone um, who accepts Jesus, anyone who accepts Jesus, not just in their heads like the evil spirits, but in their hearts which is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit, uh, that person receives forgiveness. That's the basis of forgiveness forever. My friend need not have worried. In fact, the the fact that she was worried uh, was evidence to me that she was forgiven um, by Jesus. So what did they think of Jesus? Well, the evil spirit said that he was the son of God. His family thought that he was out of his mind. The religious leaders claimed that he was satanic. But what do you think about Jesus? What's your opinion? Who do you think Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? You know, uh, when Jesus' mother and brothers uh, finally arrived at the house uh, to take charge of him. Uh, the, the house was packed with people. And so they, they stayed outside and they got someone to go into the house and to, uh, and to speak to Jesus and to let him know that you know, they've arrived, that you know, your mum and your brothers are outside and they're waiting for you. They want you to come out and join them. They want, they want to take you home. They think you're a bit out of your mind. Well, how did Jesus reply? Verse 33. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked in a circle around him and he said, Well, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, on the one hand, does that sound like he's being a bit disrespectful to his family? Well, 
No, he's not being disrespectful. Jesus always respected his, his family. He's not being disrespectful to his family. He's actually being loving to us. He's being loving to you because he wants us. He wants you to belong to his family. That's what he wants. The uh, ancient Jewish text says, Yeshu of Nazareth was hanged on the day of preparation for the Passover because he practiced sorcery and led people astray. Actually, he was hung on a cross because they hated him. That's the real reason. But by dying for our sins, he led people not astray, he led people to forgiveness. He led people into God's kingdom. He led people into God's family forever. So how about you? Can you call Jesus your brother? Have you trusted in him? Let's pray. Father, we are astonished uh, as we consider the impact that uh, you made through Jesus uh, in his ministry. And it strikes us, Lord God, that uh, when uh, your servant is faithful to your will, that it stirs up um, opinions and it uh, st stirs up opposition. Uh, but Father, we want to thank you for Jesus that... Um, by his death on the cross and his being raised from the dead that he enables us to now be part of his family uh, based not on genetics but on forgiveness we pray for each one of us that we would be those who trust in Jesus as your son who died and who rose again for us and that we would indeed seek because of that to be those who do your will in our lives Give us a heart for the gospel. Give us a passion for your glory and a passion for the salvation of people. And help us to be those who put aside all other interests for the sake of honouring and glorifying you and building your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.